Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Well, good morning, church family. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Good to... uh, celebrate together and I love this time of year and that it's that opportunity to retune our hearts to to sing our Lord's praise and and not that we I think most of us have those moments where we thank the Lord along the way but to really stop and realize all that he's given us and to just um, to say thank you and I think of the moment in the life of Christ where he uh, healed the ten lepers and then he sent them off to the temple to be cleansed, and they are flying towards the temple like a bunch of middle school students headed towards the lunch line, you know, focused. And one of them stops, turns around, runs back, and the text is pretty clear, just goes on his knees before the Lord and just says, thank you for what you've done for me. And do you remember what Jesus' response is? He says, where are the other nine? And that text always gets me. Am I living like that guy? And, and Lord, help me to have your heart or, or have that guy's heart for all that you've done for me. And so this is our opportunity today to, to, to just tune our hearts, to, to give thanks to him all throughout the week. And one of the things that, that I am so thankful for is the Lord bringing us together and the part that each of you play on this ministry team here at Westbridge. And we're one little fellowship, but what a beautiful picture of the body of Christ as you embody his love to those around you, both here in our church family and as you guys go out into your, the, the life that God's called you to. And so thank you for the, the part that you play. This week I was I, uh, looking back through our church family and, and uh, blown away once again. It's a truism in volunteer organizations that 20% of the, the members do 80, 80% of the work, and, but not in this house. As I was looking through our church family, and even as I look out today, it's more like 98% of you are engaged, doing something, serving, not only here, but as you go out. And those of you who may not be serving yet, or you're probably on the fringe just looking to, to uh, jump on board at, at some point, or jump in the game at some point. I love his church, and I'm so thankful for, uh, for the part that, that you're playing. I was reminded, too, that church is not a place. Church is not a, now we, the space we gather is we, a place or a space. Church is a people who have been radically changed by the love of God, in love with him, and are going out to love with his radical love. And um, so neat to see you doing that in so many different ways. We talk about, Lord, let us be an outpost of heaven where we gather in here to, to just give thanks to you again and express our love to you, encourage each other in our, our journey. But then let us go out into every capillary of culture and be your presence there, be your light, so that um, as we interact, we would be a life-giving force where people would be praising you as a result of our little lives lived in surrender to you. And that's happening here in our community. And one of the um, practical examples of that playing out this week, we will be going out, breaking huddle, and on Thursday, a holiday, serving almost 500 meals to those who could use an encouragement and use some help. 
on Thursday. So thank you to everyone who's a part of that. All right. And then, uh, and then on behalf of our staff, just want to thank you. And just again, we remind ourselves we can't do what we do with our hours here at work without your generosity. And when you give to the church, your money goes towards all sorts of ministries in our community and world, but it also helps fund our salary and our pay. So thank you for your generosity to us. That'll be good now just to, again, go to, go to the Lord in prayer. And Father, we do just uh, kneel before you as that leper did and, and uh, just remember again, we are clean only because of your grace and we praise you for the forgiveness of sin. We praise you for the, the inheritance, though, that we have in you to be, a, to be able to call you dad and to uh, just know that all is well because of, of uh, what you've given us. And if you would, just in your own words, just thank the Lord silently and quietly for what you appreciate. Father, we thank you for your word that's alive, it's active, it nourishes us, challenges us, fills us up and, and fuels us to, uh, to live our lives for your glory. And as we open it now, we pray that you would work through it in ways that only you can. Help us to be more like Christ, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Reflex. How's your reflex? Well... The sport that I, one sport, love many sports, but one sport that I love is golf. And so, but it does not love me. So I have developed a practice routine this fall that uh, I'm trying to stick to. I'll go up every day into our loft and I'll hit 36 seven irons against the wall. Then I'll hit 36 pitching wedges against the wall. And then I'll hit 36 putts. And so... Go up here. Let's see. John Dittmer, I'm coming right at you, man. Reflex. All right. I'm also, this is working on reflex. Ross, I'm going to give you a, give you a shot here. Reflex. <laughs> Seth, you're a fighter, man. I'm coming at you. Reflex. How's your reflex? It was good. Good reflex. Well, then it hit me. Reflex. I could multitask here rather than just hit balls. I could work on my reflex. So when the ball comes off the wall, I'm going to try to catch it. And then, then I can work on my uh, try to beat Jake Perry in ping pong, which I haven't done yet. Get ready for softball season. That, that was not a. Normally it comes right. And, can, I, can I try another one? <laughs> can I? Mind if I grab that one, man? Please. I can't end on that shot. Thank you. Big smooth. I should have you come up and hit this. You can hit way better. So, yeah. Balls normally come right off this wall. Anyway. They, you have to trust me on this. They do. And <laughs> the, uh, the fascinating thing is, Every time, almost every practice session, the first two or three balls, I can't catch. Like, I'm, I'm missing them big time. 
Like it's just lunging at air. But by the fourth or fifth time, my, my brain, my eyes, my body have recalibrated the reflex where I can actually grab it, making Mr. Miyagi proud again. Reflex. A golf ball coming off the wall is a picture of, of really the circumstances of life, isn't it? Most, most of which are outside of our control. Much of what comes at us, most of what comes at us, we can't control. But what we can control is our reflex or our response to those things that come our way. And what's neat about the text that we're going to get into today is that it's a gift from God helping us recalibrate our reflex to the circumstances of life that are sometimes good but often hard to process and help, helping us to process them like Christ. This text is uh, it's Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 to 9, and it is powerful to, to help us recalibrate our reflex to, to reflect like Christ in the realm of relationships, especially when there's some and uh, conflict in the realm of anxiety-inducing circumstances and in the realm of, of processing this, this world that's just full of negativity. So if you would join me there, Philippians chapter 1. I mean, I'm sorry, chapter 4, verse 1. Paul writes, therefore, so therefore is looking back. We've just, chapter 3, remember last week was about knowing Christ and, and letting this be our one thing, to know him. He says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. So there's the first reflex. It's a picture of when the enemy would come to knock us off our pursuit of Christ, stand firm picture of a soldier just holding our ground. Then he says, I plead with Euodia, and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. So two ladies who are in conflict, and he's, he's calling them to be of the same mind. That, that word there is the same one used back in chapter 2, speaking of where, where we looked at Christ and putting the needs of others above ourselves and he says, yes, I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side. Interesting here, who's at fault when there's a relational tension? It's usually both. I like it how he uses the word plead to both, Yodia and Syntyche. He's pleading with them both. It takes two. But often in the body of Christ, there's a mediator that God will bring along who can help two become one. And we don't know who this is exactly, and the um, scholars don't know, but there was a person who was a peacemaker, and he says, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Then he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. The word gentleness is a, a tough word to translate in, uh, out of Greek into English. It it's, carries the idea of a sweet reasonableness. We're able to see a situation and, and reason through it in a, not a, uh, an emotionally uh, uh, fueled way and, and leaning towards mercy versus just uh, um, judgment. And so he's saying, let your gentleness be evident to all. 
the Lord is near. And probably speaking of, he has in mind the Lord's coming as that was in the context there in the end of chapter 3. Then he says, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is praiseworthy, excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Remember the message last year where we talked about, we drew that line, and you have above the line, below the line, and how we think. And here Paul's saying, okay, you're going to have a world of negativity don't let your mind go down here into the negative. We have to deal with problems and situations, but where do we live? And we live above the line and think about these things. So how we think like Christ, but then he goes right into, okay, not only are we called to think like Christ, but now, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. And he pulls us out of theory right into, okay, this is... Stuff that we're, we're to be living out and to be practicing. So, quick review as we think about these, what we just saw are seven reflexes to, to when the life comes at us like a, a golf ball off a wall circumstance, we're reflexing like Christ. So the first one is stand firm in seeking to know Christ above all else, not moving in our commitment to Him. Second, be of one mind in the Lord. We're one unit. Pursue unity. Third is rejoice in the Lord. Joy being a constant. Fourth, be gentle, reasonable, patient in conflict. Fifth, be anxious about nothing. Pray about everything. Sixth, think, about, think above the line. Um, when there's negative thoughts rolling, we're bouncing them. And we're, we're focusing on what is, what is uh, praiseworthy, which is ultimately Christ, right? And then reflect, the last reflex, practice these things. It's time for action put them into play. Now, I wish we could go through and do some reps on each one of these and recalibrate our reflex on all seven of these, but I encourage you in your own time with the Lord, grab one that you could work on and go after it. Today, in these moments, we're going to go after one, and it might be the most important one of the list because it's the one that Paul repeats, and you, you know which one it is. Back to verse four, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And then he says, and I will say it again, rejoice. So we're going after the joy reflex. How's your joy reflex? When circumstances come flying your way, how's the, uh, are, you, are you responding with a heart full of joy in the Lord? How's your joy reflex? And I'm guessing most of us would say, I'm not down here, but I'm not up here. I was reminded of this, uh, one of my favorite uh, people growing up, in work environment, worked at a farm implement dealership, was a farmer who would come in almost every day to talk basketball. But outside of basketball, his favorite sport was complaining. He would see the negative in anything and everything. And so we, we, it was a little game. Can we get him to say something positive? We were trying to hit his joy reflex, you know? And you could make him mad if you got him talking positive. So we, uh, and so it was comical. Well, Highlight of the week a couple weeks ago is I saw him in the store. He's doing good. We caught up, had a, a good chat there. And, uh, but funniest moment, as we're leaving, I'm like, see ya. He got me. The last words he said to me were, every day we, work, we wake up, it's getting worse. 
<laughs> I was like, no. You, you may say, all right, I'm not there with my joy level, but, uh, but I'm not at the always point. And, and so, and along with that, I have a question. What exactly is this joy? Why is it so important and how do we live it out? So we'll let those questions frame our, the rest of our time, frame our reflex training. First is, what is this joy reflex? What's it mean to rejoice in the Lord? Well, I need to be clear here and want to be sensitive, especially to those of us who, who battle with depression. And there's lots of factors. We're complex as humans, and um, for some of us, the way our bodies are wired also hurts and, and things that have gone, in, gone on in our, our past um, we are complex, and it's important to know what, what God's talking about here is not this emotional high of just a happy, happy, happy mood all the time. This isn't a call to ignore or suppress the full spectrum of human emotion that, that we experience as we taste the losses of life. We know that Paul grieved deeply as he processed the losses of his life, and in fact, in this, this uh, letter, we see it where in uh, chapter 2, verse 27, he's sending Epaphroditus back to them, and he, he references there, I'm so thankful that God spared his life because he spared me sorrow upon sorrow. So if Epaphroditus had died, that would have, um, Paul would have grieved deeply, and we see it in the life of Christ. We know that, that he grieved deeply. He experienced the, the full realm of human emotion. Um, he's described as a man of sorrows. We know that he sobbed. Um, sobbed at times. And so we know that, and this is what's interesting about this joy that we're called to, this joy is compatible with the other emotions that we experience in life. So it's a constant, it's all, we're, we're, we can have it always, but we have it while we experience all these other emotions. So how does that work? What, and, and what exactly does it mean then to rejoice in the Lord? Here, here's the definition that I'll give you. This is my best shot, and you feel free to improve on this. But to rejoice in the Lord is to celebrate His sufficiency as Lord in every circumstance of my life. The source of this joy is not our circumstances, but it's in the treasure of knowing the Lord of our circumstances. The word Lord there is really important. It means master. It speaks of his sovereign control over all. And here God is calling us to live awake to this reality that every moment of our existence, whatever circumstances fly in our way, we are under the loving providential care of the Lord of this universe. That's what it means to rejoice in the Lord, to never lose sight of this, to live awake to this sweet reality so that as we process the circumstances of life, there's a backdrop that, that never changes. And the backdrop is His Lordship. So saying it one more time, to rejoice in the Lord is to celebrate His sufficiency as Lord in every circumstance of my life. So, so whether we're processing a, a great moment or we're processing a, a really painful moment, joy is the constant because he's constant as Lord of my circumstances. I love the way Kay Warren puts it as she describes what it looks like to celebrate his sufficiency as Lord. She says, 
Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. So don't understand how all this will work together for good, but I know it will. And then second, she says, it's the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. It's Romans 8. Speaking of God is working all things for the good of those who love him. And then, it's, and then the last part of her definition, it's the determined choice to praise God in all things. And I love that. It's that, okay, I, I see this backdrop, but I'm going to praise you, Lord, even in this situation that may be hard to process, that, that you are in control and I can trust you in this moment. Right now, it's, it's inspiring just to remember who's writing this and when he's writing it. Remember as Paul writes this, he's in prison or he's, in a, he's under house arrest, but he's chained to a Roman guard. Here's a guy that, what was his life mission? His passion, his thing that lit him up was taking the good news of Jesus Christ to a place where it hadn't been and sharing that with people, but now he's stuck. And have you, have you ever been in that moment where your dream or your plans or what you thought even God wanted you to do, it, it's dying right in front of you. And, and it's like, ah, frustrating. But, but what, what do we see Paul doing in these moments? And I think it's significant that he repeats the command. It's almost as if he says, okay, rejoice in the Lord always. And then he stops and he thinks about his life, thinks about the life of these Philipp- Philippians who they're going to probably face some hard situations and probably moments when they'll watch their dream die or their plans take a turn that they weren't expecting. And, and then he says, and I, I will say it again, this is so important. Guys, this is mission critical. This reflex, as you're catching the, processing the circumstances of life, you got to get this one calibrated. Rejoice in the Lord. Why? Raises the question, why is this so important? The second question we come to, why does it matter that we recalibrate this reflex? Well, there are many reasons. This would be a great question for small groups to... uh, to talk through, but here are three compelling reasons. One is, joy is our strength. As we rejoice in the Lord, we're energized to live out the life mission that God has called us to. Joy is the oxygen of our soul that that just metabolizes an energy to, to run through a world that's fallen, and there are dark moments and clouds of, of depravity and despair that, that can hover over us, and yet This joy that's available um, as we come into a relationship with God is what fuels us. Do you remember the time that Nehemiah and uh, his crew were were struggling to build the wall around Jerusalem? They were in a mess. They had a, trying to rebuild this wall while being shot at. So they're going to work with a hammer in one hand, a sword in the other, and they're tired, discouraged, worn out, and uh, they had just heard the word of the, the Lord through Ezra, and so they're looking at their own mess, they're grieving the mess of their own hearts that had not been following God, and, and we come to this fascinating moment in a, Nehemiah chapter 8, where Nehemiah says, this, is the, this day is holy to the Lord your God, do not mourn or weep, it says, for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. There's a time to grieve, but there's also a time to rejoice, and Nehemiah says, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Mandatory celebration. (laughs) Mandatory party. 
And isn't that cool? That, that's the heart of our God, in, even in this. Guys, there's a time, yes, life is hard, and yes, there's all kinds of things that can, uh, we need to deal with and, and problems to, to process, but joy is crucial because it's oxygen. The joy of the Lord, it's your strength to get out and rebuild the wall and, and to uh, do, live out the, the life mission that, that's been set before us. Reason two, joy is our witness. Our joy is a visible celebration of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. When joy is overflowing, it raises a question and demands an investigation from the people looking in, doesn't it? Like, where in the world did you get that? Why is there a party going on in your soul? <laughs> like, what, what is, uh, what's up with that? And we see it all through the book of Acts. And one of my favorite moments is there in Acts chapter 5. Is, it says, the, uh, verse 40, the apostles, um, they were flogged and let, they, then they let them go. It said, don't speak in the name of Jesus. Let them go. Verse 41 says, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of the suffering, of suffering disgrace for his name. You say, how can you rejoice in the context of suffering? And again, it's because he is Lord of all. And um, yes, this circumstance may not be what I would, would hope it would be, but he is Lord even of this. And um, even suffering in his name is for his sake is a reason to rejoice. And then the third reason is joy is our worship. As we rejoice in the Lord, it's the worship that he desires but, but also deserves. I love to think of uh, our joyful song, and what, as we sang this morning even, our joy is the sound of our revolution. <laughs> What's the goal of the enemy? To steal, kill, and destroy, to um, put a cloud of despair, gloom, and to uh, sap life out of people. And, to, uh, and in that way, he, he, uh, he douses the glory of God. But as Jesus' followers... We, we, we've got a revolution going on, and it's a revolution of praise because of what he's done for us. Therefore, he can throw a lot of things at us, right? The enemy can, a lot of junk at us. Golf balls coming at us, painful circumstances, all this, that, the other. But the one thing he can't do is stop our joyful song. Why? Because he can't touch the Lord of Lords. And as long as he is Lord, I'm singing. And yet, is a battlefield, and yeah, we live in a broken planet, a fallen world, and all that stuff, but every time we sound the sound of joy and raise a joyful noise to the Lord, we're saying, right here, this space right here is an outpost of heaven, and we are declaring the victory that's already been won on the cross, where Jesus Christ took our sin to the cross, died in our place, rose from the dead, said, I'm coming for you preparing a place for you, and one day he will wipe away every tear. And so we're singing because he is Lord of this moment, Lord of this mess, Lord of my heart, and I'm going to raise a joyful sound. Isn't that awesome? Joy. Why must we recalibrate to process circumstances with joy? Because one, it's our strength. Two, it's our witness. And three, it's our worship. I love what C.S. Lewis said, joy is the serious business of heaven. Andrew Murray, a servant of the Lord, said, the first business of every day is to get my soul happy in the Lord, to, to recalibrate 
my joy reflex. And then the third question that comes to us is, okay, I see the importance of it, but how do we live this out? How, do, how exactly do we practice this? And here's the truth that is so helpful, important to know. The truth is this. Joy is both a gift and a choice. Joy is a gift. You think about the only way that we can experience this joy is the gift of grace to believe that Jesus is who he is, to enter into a relationship with him through faith, and to know him. Joy comes in proximity to him. That's why our one thing, to know him, ultimately joy flows out of that relationship, right? It's a gift. Now, what do we know about He's given us the Holy Spirit. And what's the second gift of the Holy Spirit listed in Galatians 5? The fruit of the Spirit is, or as we um, walk with the Spirit and live in the Spirit, what's the second gift? The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. (laughs) So in in some ways, this is something we can't create on our own. You, You can't make yourself joyful. Joy is a byproduct of intimacy with the Lord. Does that make sense? It's, it, he is the first cause. He's fruit. Like, but as we dwell with him and as we get to know him, he will create this joy in our heart, and he calls us to rejoice. So it's both a gift and then it's a choice. He provides what we need, but we have to choose to live in it and to, to step, step into this. All right, so as we begin this Thanksgiving week, I'd, and with this text in mind, I'd like to give a, you a prayer to pray, and feel free to tweak this, but I'm, I'm going to be praying this, encourage you to be praying this, as just practice. And so here it is. As circumstances come, praying this. Thank you, Lord. Here's the joy reflex. Thank you, Lord. Important to say Lord, because that just reminds us of his lordship, his control overall. Thank you, Lord. For your sufficiency in every circumstance in my life. Thank you, Lord, for your sufficiency. Meaning, you got this. Every circumstance of, of my life, I'm under your providential care. Thank you for that. All right? Is that, is that doable? Memorable? We can pack that. Thank you, Lord, for your sufficiency in every circumstance in my life. You guys ready to retrain our reflex? And, and may I just say, just to be real, here that uh, <laughs> this is a, it, rejoicing in the Lord and living in this. I, I've been walking with the Lord for, I don't know, lots of years. It still takes daily calibration for me. I, when I start, still I, I'm grabbing air. I miss it. You know, I struggle with this. Even this week, I was, it was hard running through some clouds of despair. But this is our inheritance. It's possible. And so um, let's chase it. With this prayer, thank you, Lord, and just look to his lordship for your sufficiency in every circumstance of my life. There was a moment that happened recently that brought all this home to me. It was when we were sitting at a Panera on the Purdue, close to the Purdue campus with our daughter, who's Jesse, who's a freshman at Purdue, it was a couple weeks ago, and we had not seen her for a while, and it was just so good to sit with her as mom and dad and soak her in and hear how she's doing, you know, and my big concern as dad is just, how is she? And there was one moment where she started laughing. She got tickled, you know, and you just, you start laughing and then that laugh just goes all through you and 
it was, she was describing uh, her experience with her intramural volleyball team. She played high school volleyball, and you know, you're practicing, you all that. She said, but I felt for the first time what it must feel like to be an older person, where your, your mind tells you to go do something, but your body doesn't follow through with it. Like your mind writes a check that your body can't cash. <laughs> and she said, it wasn't just me, it was all of us, you know, and we're just hitting balls all over and we can't get her. And she just starts laughing. We start laughing. You know, the videos where you get the little baby that just starts laughing and then everyone in the room starts laughing. It was one of those. It was just to the bottom of her heart. She was full of joy. Well, guess what my highlight was is I, we drove, I'm sure it was Tams, we haven't talked about this, but as, we drove, as I drove home in the dark back to, back to our house and left her there, what was the highlight of that time with Jess? It was her laughter. As her father, her joy was my joy. And I just was like, Lord, thank you that she's good. And that she's enjoying this gift of life. And then I think, I'm an imperfect dad. We have a perfect father. And every time, 18 times in this letter, we're called to this joy. All throughout Scripture, over 50 times throughout Scripture, we see the Lord lifting our eyes and saying, my child, rejoice. But I can't. I got this mess. I got this situation. And I just sense today he's lifting our eyes up saying, I'm Lord of your mess. I'm Lord of your situation. It's okay. This joy, live in it. And as we do, we bring him glory. We bring him joy. Amen. So let's go to him in prayer. Father, I thank you. For your truth to us today, for this possibility of, of rejoicing with all of our heart, because you are Lord. Lord, if there's someone here that hasn't surrendered to you as Lord, I pray that this might be their moment, that they would step into relationship with you, trust you as their Savior, and surrender to you as Lord. Lord, for those of us who do know you and just the inevitable circumstances of life flying at us like the golf ball off the wall can get us down. I pray that, that this might be a turning point for us, that we recalibrate our reflex to, uh, to respond with joy, and that this week you would be pleased and glorified in our joy. Lord, I thank you for just this opportunity in this moment to sing a joyful song to you and give out of the overflow of our gratitude with joy, cheerfully, for all that you've given us. We praise you and thank you most of all for the cross, your presence, and the chance to, to be with you one day. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.